Hi, good morning, Trinity Heights Church. As always, it's a pleasure to worship with you this morning. If you tuned in last Sunday, you most likely heard my conversation with Dr. Celestin Musakura. Dr. Musakura is the founder and was the director until his recent retirement of ALARM, or African Leadership and Reconciliation Ministries. Founded out of the Rwandan genocide, ALARM has always been committed to seeing broken communities reconciled back to each other. And so it's always such a privilege to be able to speak with Dr. Musakura. His insight and his wisdom is profound, and he is just an incredibly humble, nice man <laughs> and just wonderful person uh, to be able to have as long as a conversation as I was able to have with him to the point where we actually had to divide the conversation into two parts. So last Sunday was part one, and what you're about to hear is part two. In part two of my conversation with Dr. Musakura, I was able to ask him some more specific questions, more specific to us as a community of Trinity Heights Church. Uh, one of my questions was, how might we as a community of Christians and skeptics post-COVID see ourselves reconciled back to each other with even more commitment and a renewed sense of hope? And his answer to that question was deeply insightful. And I hope that uh, you enjoy it as well as this conversation, this part two of my conversation with Dr. Celeste Musiker. Yeah, one thing I've been thinking a lot recently uh, for specifically for uh, us as a church community here in, in New York City is is the power of of story and, and how we would like to embrace story and and we would like to tell and hear stories that shape and change us uh, at our core, beautiful stories of, of redemption, even if there is pain and suffering in, involved. Uh, but I'd love to hear a few more of, of you know, stories for, from you. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Eric. We, we would have to have two days. I'll give two, uh, two stories. I thought to make mm. them brief. Uh, one, uh, one of the stories is uh, just early on um, in the ministry, uh, when I was began to confront both the Hutus and Tutsis in mm -hmm. Rwanda, those in the, inside the country and uh, in the refugee camp, uh, I may have uh, alluded to the uh, fact that uh, uh, my name was on the list of the people to be killed by both mm -hmm. the, the Hutu uh, who had been involved in the genocide mm -hmm. uh, and were living in the refugee camp uh, for them because of speaking, misspeaking about repentance, forgiveness, and reconciliation um, betrayed them because they were uh, speaking, the more the government were speaking about uh, going back to the country because they had been pushed out of the country by the Tutsi. Mm -hmm. They were talking about, uh, you know, going back to kill revenge and take the country back. Mm -hmm. So um, I was then uh, as a, a, a traitor to my own tribe. Mm -hmm. And... Um, then uh, the, at that time, the Tutsis, because they had been the victims, uh, the whole world was talking about the victims uh, of 1994 genocide, 
But nobody was talking about before they became the victim that they were also the perpetrators uh, before the war, mm -hmm. because the, uh, before the genocide, the genocide happened just four years. Uh, we were in civil war, so the Tutsis had been killing people uh, in villages yeah. and so forth. So, but from the Christian perspective, from the ministry, I was not a judge. I was talking about, uh, you know, uh, repentance, forgiveness, and reconciliation to acknowledge what we have done. So, for the truth is why the rest of the world was saying they are victims. Uh, the Bible was uh, speaking there to them as not only victims, but also as victimizers, as uh, mm. uh, perpetrators. So, I found myself between the two. Uh, I'm against my own tribe because I don't speak the same language. I'm uh, against mm -hmm. the other tribe because I'm not speaking their uh, uh, universal language that they are only victims. I'm mm -hmm. talking about the Bible says it's not how many people you killed. You the Bible says even if you wish someone to die in your heart, you have murdered them. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. You can't twist the truth of the Bible. So anyway, so I was on the <laughs> list of both sides. <laughs> But then I began to say, okay, what choice do I have? You know, I can even die in Dallas. I can, there are people dying by car accident. Mm -hmm. I said, I would rather die in the hands of my perpetrators or my persecutors mm -hmm. uh, doing what I have been called to do. I was called to be a preacher before the genocide. I'm not going to stop because of the genocide. I'm not going to change. And so I just, um, um, in the, the refugee camp three times, I was beaten up one time, left almost dead. Mm -hmm. But uh, by God's grace, uh, was picked by a, a woman who was gathering firewood in the eucalyptus forest, <laughs> uh, where this militia, a uh, whole militia, had left me. And uh, a few months later, I was uh, inside in Rwanda. I was uh, just arrested, uh, but that turned into three hours of torture. And uh, wow. um, anyway, so. The beauty of that, um, in both, in both instances, uh, for some reasons, I felt strong. I felt uh, at peace. I mean, mm. painful uh, mm. in the torture room, bleeding from my nose. Yeah. But uh, this strength I got, it was because another community in Dallas, which was uh, eight uh, thousand miles away. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that one of these members of uh, my men's group, uh, God woke, woke him up in the middle of the night. When mm -hmm. I was being driven there during the um, afternoon, it was three in the morning here. Um, during the early afternoon in Rwanda, it was three in the morning. He prayed from, uh, for one hour. Wow. And it was the same, uh, the, that hour, it was the same hour I was in torture room, the 30 minutes, so anyway, so he told Bernadette that he woke up to pray for me. Mm. And he doesn't know what's going on because it has never happened in his life. God has never told him to wake up. He never woken up to pray. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> so, so he, uh, he said, that's why I needed to call and see what's going on. So the strength and the courage I had in this torture room mm. for that 30 minutes of torture, it was not my courage. It was the prayer. Mm -hmm. of my community, a member of my community that God used to pray for me. So, so that's one of the stories. Oh. And um, the beauty of that story is three years later, one of the torturer, this man who commanded this young boy to beat me in the jail, torture me, he told me before I left, actually, before I left, he said, if every preacher 
had done what you are doing now before the genocide, maybe we will not have killed each other. That's so another story that's uh, maybe I make this short. I had to confront a leader in Khartoum, a uh, government official who had tortured uh, my colleagues. And mm -hmm. uh, I went to Khartoum. Uh, I saw my, uh, my, one of my staff members had been tortured because they don't like Christians there. Mm -hmm. uh, he still had some bruises. And uh, I needed to meet uh, this man who had, uh, uh, he was one of the members of the security. Uh, this yeah. man uh, could actually throw me in jail. So when I went there, I had told my wife, either I will come with bruises or I will come two years after serving the jail because <laughs> I'm going to meet a man who think he's God. He came, we sat, I asked him um, a question, how is your family? Mm. He became mad. He became angry. Mm -hmm. He said, who are you to ask me about my family? Mm. I told him, uh, I'm a family man. I see that you have uh, a ring. I guess I see that you are of my age mate, you are my age mate. Mm -hmm. I believe you have a family, if not your wife, children, maybe your siblings. Mm -hmm. So I care about your family because what comes first, except Jesus, I love. The second is my family. It's not mm -hmm. my job. <laughs> so mm -hmm. then he took the next one hour telling me about his family, especially about his son, who was who is actually age of my firstborn, who has this uh, uh, psychological problem, but because of the international embargo, because the Khartoum, the mm -hmm. Sudan has been put under sanctions because of the Darfur uh, genocide. No medication, because he's one of the top officials, officials mm -hmm. he cannot go out because of restrictions. This, his son is suffering. He can't get his son to hospital out of Khartoum. Mm -hmm. And then, I mean, he said, nobody among the people I work with cared to ask me, cares about my family, but you care about my family. <laughs> and uh, by this time, he was actually crying. Mm. And in Africa, <laughs> men are not supposed to cry. <laughs> and uh, before I knew <clears throat> it, I had moved from my chair from the corner next to him. And you know what? I found myself putting my hand on the shoulder <laughs> we were sitting and asked him, can I pray for you? I actually forgot who he was. Wow. And I forgot uh, uh, where he was. <laughs> and I forgot that the two security men out that there, his, their soldier, their security mm. men, who they are. And uh, as I finished praying, actually in the middle of prayer, I remembered who he was. I almost put my hand, but it was too late. <laughs> I finished praying. I took the napkin. I gave him to wipe his tears. Mm. And then I wiped um, uh, the table. There was a pool of tears on the table. <laughs> and uh, I told him, I'm so sorry. I'm going to pray for your son. I said, I don't have any other question. Mm. He stood up. He, he said, thank you. He said, nobody has cared about my family. And uh, I have never met a man of God like you in my life. <laughs> he left three steps. He stopped. He looked back. He told me, I know that uh, we have not, uh, we have not, 
we have not treated your staff well, but mm. tell them if anybody will give them trouble, they should call my office. Wow. That man, three months later, I was back there. I let my staff know that uh, him know that I will be there. Mm. He was next to me at a function where I was going to open the training of the Muslim leaders and Christian leaders on being good neighbors. He was sitting next to me until today, he's a friend of mine. <laughs> wow. Yeah. That is amazing. I, I mean, thank you for sharing those stories. I mean, those, these are the kinds of stories I think I, they're just utterly compelling. And, and how could they not be? I mean, there's, there's so much at stake and yet, and yet you see so much redeemed. Mm-hmm. How have you seen, um, seen community come together or, or, or these ideas of, I mean, beyond sort of the, these redeeming moments, how have you seen uh, community uh, ripple out or people sort of lose sight of, of their immediate concerns or the, even themselves and uh, be all of a sudden be free to, um, to, to, to think about, to think bigger, I guess, is what I'm asking. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, Eric. Mm-hmm. I believe um, one of the um, challenges uh, mm-hmm. that uh, we probably face is the fear of being rejected. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, and, and then we retrieve, we retreat, mm-hmm. um, or the lack of being vulnerable because in the community we get to be known mm-hmm. and, and so we want to stay hidden but uh, mm-hmm. in this kind of uh, uh, retreat or isolation or um, disconnection uh, then we don't produce mm. we don't uh, impact we don't uh, use our gifts our talent to grow others uh, and even we don't grow ourselves because only we grow when uh, we use our gifts uh, to bless others, then the process we are blessed, but also their gifts bless us in the community. We replace the meeting on Sunday with what actual community is all about. Yes. Mm-hmm. And so community has to be intentional to invite people in your home. You don't just become a community because you met you gathered on Sunday, maybe for lunch after church. Right. No, actually, community is when we gather in our mm-hmm. home, whether we are two or three, maybe that's why we say we are two or three. <laughs> uh, and mm-hmm. so we invite, we, we, we create space. Um, we become vulnerable. I don't have a big room, but mm-hmm. we sit on, on the floor. Um, my, because there's this tendency, oh, only when my house is clean, uh, would mm-hmm. I invite people in? Now, in Africa, we say, no, let me invite in. If they think it's not clean, we will clean it together. You know? <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah so, so really, we begin to realize that, you know, um, community, being a community is intentional. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and we invite people in. We invite people mm-hmm. in our homes. We invite people in our space. Uh, we don't invite them to a cleaner <laughs> Uh, no, we invite them in our mess. Uh, maybe, yes. maybe they can help us to clean the mess. Uh, <laughs> you know, we invite them to tell stories, to share stories. Because yeah. each one of us has a story, but 
we think our story are not significant. No, mm -hmm. each story is significant. Each journey is significant. Each journey is God's journey with us. Mm. And it's uh, maybe journey of pain and, and sorrow and uh, our victory and so forth. In mm. all my journeys, I have seen in every journey, every mm -hmm. um, story, there is both the, the painful, but also mm -hmm. there is no redemption. You know, um, one of my best friend who has, uh, I would say, I call him, he has paid for my suffering. <laughs> <laughs> he, he pays for me to get suffered. Is when, <laughs> when he say, you know, whenever we go, he was an old man. Whenever I was gone, he would make sure my family would have eggs. Uh, mm -hmm. Just like that. And mm -hmm. I will tell you, for before he passed away, he was an old guy. Be for more than 14 years, whether I was gone or here, every day, every week, I mean, he brought um, a crate of, of eggs. Wow. <laughs> and so when I was gone, I knew my family would eat omelette, you know. <laughs> 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 so, I mean, that's what the community does. The community say, you go, your family will not suffer because you are gone. That's, that's beautifully put. And, and I think the more I think about it, the, the more I think that ideas of perfectionism or being completely in control like we might want, these things just have to, to leave. And that's, it's, it's so, so beautiful what you said about uh, you invite people into the mess and we clean it together, right? The mess of our own houses or the mess of our own lives. Right. And, um, and that's, that's gorgeous. I mean, you know, uh, our, our community is specifically a, a community of, of Christians and, and, and skeptics. And uh, I think that there's this idea of, um, of living life together uh, despite differences and, 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 and embracing those differences, even understanding that uh, life together and, and life under the story of the gospel is compelling and it is beautiful. Uh, and, and, and we get to um, invest in each other's lives and just be, be a part of each other's lives and tell these kinds of, of, of stories. And um, so I think, I, I mean, maybe just one more thing from, from you before we go, but um, I, how have you seen uh, people of, of, of differing mindsets uh, come together? I mean, have you seen the compelling community just sort of knit, knit people together regardless of, of, of differences? Yes, I have seen, and that's actually why I am involved in uh, the work of reconciliation. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And uh, and for some uh, Christians, we misunderstand uh, actually what this reconciliation mean or what community is. Mm -hmm. uh, we have uh, probably had bad um, uh, understanding that we are saved to form a a group that we save service. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Actually, I think. As you guys, the, the reason why I love what you are doing is you are, again, you are creating space for everyone. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And uh, uh, yes, the reason why I'm involved in this reconciliation is actually to challenge us Christians to understand that Christ calls us to love our neighbors. Mm. 
to love God <laughs> and, <laughs> and, uh, and, and love our neighbors, you know, and love our neighbors like we love ourselves. So we have to love ourselves so that we know how to love our neighbors. Mm -hmm. Now, we have defined neighbors as those who look like us, mm. as those who think like us, with the same religion, with the same doctrine. That's wrong. Mm -hmm. And so the reconciliation or the, uh, the, the, the extension of God's grace is the open embrace. Mm -hmm. And the open embrace that actually welcomes everyone to the table. Mm -hmm. And it is uh, by welcoming everyone to the table that we get to know them. We get to share with them. They get to share the journey. But we want people to change their journey before even we know what it is. <laughs> right. Mm -hmm. And so we begin to see that if we can begin where we have shared our humanity, and then we have more in common to bring us to the table. But if we, we begin with religion, if we, we begin with the race, with the tribe, then we will not be the community. So, yeah. and, and that's what you, the Heights, uh, continue to do to invite people to the table. Then around the table, you break bread, you have the fellowship, and what I will say, I don't, when we eat together, I call the swallowship, you know. <laughs> the swallowship. <laughs> I like that, that's great. And so, if you don't share, and maybe this is the, my last comment, my, maybe last, mm. last African proverb, because uh, uh, you, uh, part of your eye life is spent in Africa, you know mm -hmm. that Africa like to eat together. Yeah. yeah. And in Rwanda, we have a proverb that says this. I don't know how to translate to well, but it says, if a mouth, the mouth, if the mouth eats and they cannot hear it eating, <laughs> now you call it the American, of course, smashing, it is bad manner. <laughs> no, for Africa, actually, they say, if you don't hear the mouth when it is eating, mm -hmm. when the same mouth will cry because of pain and sorrow, you will not hear the same mouth. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So they say the only time you can share the suffering if, is if, if you have shared the food. And, and so they don't have to be there at table because they think like you, they believe like you and so forth. No, mm -hmm. you open the table because that's what Christ will do uh, mm -hmm. because of the shared humanity. Celestin, it's been wonderful to speak to you this morning, an honor and a privilege, truly. Um, and I, I just thank you uh, again for your time and your generosity. Uh, to, to, to speak to us as a church uh, today and uh, blessings to you and your family. Oh, thank you, Eric. Please tell the, the high child that uh, they have blessed us as a family. They have blessed Bernadette and I and uh, you continue to support and bless uh, the building of communities in mm -hmm. Africa that are actually bringing people to the table. Thank mm -hmm. you. God bless you. It is an honor to speak with you. Mm -hmm. God bless.